Grace and peace to you, Bloom, and welcome to our Guided Liturgy podcast. My name is Seth Slay. I'm the music and arts pastor here at Bloom Church in Denver, Colorado. Today we'll be continuing our focus on the ancient practice of the examine and our commitments that come along with that. Today's commitment we'll be talking about is prayer. We know that prayer can be a heavy subject for a lot of people based on your church background or the experiences that you've had in your past. So we want this to be a kind and inviting experience for everyone who's listening right now. Basically, we're going to look back on Jesus' response to the question of how do we pray. From that, he gives us a model for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to use that today as a guide. So our hope for everyone listening today is that we would all be caught up in the beauty and the awareness of Christ all around us. So let's begin our liturgy. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Bloom, let's join with the church worldwide in praying the prayer of the day. Lord, we pray that your grace may always proceed and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, Be imitators of God. Love as Christ loved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Put away all anger and bitterness all slander and malice. So let us confess our sin to God who forgives us in Christ. In a dark and disfigured world, we have not held out the light of life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, Lord, have have mercy. In a hungry and despairing world, we have failed to share our bread. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. In a cold and loveless world, we have kept the love of God to ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May God forgive us by the death of her Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all our days. Amen. Amen. souls lift up the name of the Lord, for you are our deliverer. Though with all creation yet we yearn, your love flows like a river. The desert that we walk in soon shall be shall rejoice in every corner in all that's waiting still to be renewed shall wait for God no longer so 
say to tired hearts, be strong, don't fear. Our God will come to save us. Though sovereign over all the universe, in our waiting still you see us. Remind us that our sufferings can compare. To the glory you've prepared us Seeds in earth and soil hidden still Are growing up to break through Just a glimpse of you is enough to change us. Open our ears, then we can hear your voice in the song you're singing over us. Open our eyes. Just a glimpse. Of you is enough to change us. Open our ears, then we can hear your voice in the song you're singing over us. Open our eyes, just a glimpse of you. Is enough to change us. Open our ears that we can hear your voice in the song you're singing over us.
Hear a reading from the letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 6. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Hear a reading from Psalm 90. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hear a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're in our second week of the examine, talking about the commitment of prayer. And what I love about this teaching and this focus is that rather than being full of do's and don'ts and being systematic and having a formulaic texture, it's really freeing to go back to the words of Jesus to hear what he was saying about the posture of prayer. But before we center on the scripture, I'd like to revisit the Catechism of the Church, which says, what is the mission of the Church? The mission of the Church is to restore all people to unity with God and with each other in Christ. So we hear from the catechism that the mission of the church is to be restorative, is to be a presence in this community, in our society, in our world that brings people together, that calls for unity. I think sometimes it's hard to believe in this current state and the current posture of the American church towards society, that the mission of the church is to be restorative, is to promote unity. Here it is in ancient texts, saying we exist as the church to be agents of restoration, to promote unity with God with each other. It's beautiful. It's compelling. And then it goes on to say, how does the church pursue its mission? 
The answer is the church pursues its mission as it prays, as it worships, as it proclaims the gospel, and as it promotes peace, justice, and love. So this massive task, this almost impossible task of being restorative in our world, of calling people back into the reality of unity, it's accomplished not through effort and plans, through processes, but through prayer. So when Jesus talks about prayer, he's speaking into a culture that's made prayer about performance and about ritual and about what is done in public. He says, don't go on and on babbling words like the Gentiles do. Don't stand in front of crowds like the religious leaders do and, and proclaim that you're praying, and, but go into that place that's secret, into that place that's hidden, where you're seen by God, where you're held, where you're known. And just as worship is being okay at the deepest level of being seen and known by Christ, prayer is continually being in a posture where we recognize the eternal reality that we are seen and held, that God who formed all things still holds all things, that in the heart of God is justice and righteousness and peace and compassion and healing, and that Christ provides for us all things from food sustenance to security, that we look continually to Christ as our provider, that we have a posture of seeing the world the way that Christ sees the world. We can say with Paul that to pray continually is to live in, to exist in a posture of prayer, which is acknowledging the eternal reality, Christ and all things, holding all things, and in a sense, swimming in that reality, seeing other people as they really are, seeing situations in our world as Christ sees them, promoting peace and justice in our world. Being in that posture intentionally, going into that place to say, Spirit of God, fill me and shape me, inspire me. That's prayer. So it's not this rigorous system of words and requests and performance, but it's the intentional positioning of our hearts into a place that we're both aware, filled, and become agents of the restorative work of Christ in our world. So these words of Jesus are not limiting. They're not throwing some kind of structure on us. They're not throwing religiosity on us. They're freeing. They're invitational. And I believe, as the church has believed for thousands of years, that when the church is in this posture, when the church is a praying church, we see not a defensive posture towards the world but a posture that promotes restoration and unity, peace, justice, compassion, healing. We see the gospel, kingdom of God played out in our very lives. And it all starts with prayer. What seems so difficult with approaching prayer seems to come from this cultural expectation stemming from, as you talked about, this pressure to perform, as Jesus highlights in this passage, from the Gentiles who have set the gold standard of what praying should look like. And I'm just so struck by how that's hardly different in our world today, in so many spaces, so many expressions of the church in our world. It feels like there's a weight added to the practice of prayer that 
pulls us in different directions that causes disunity. And yeah, I'm just so struck by how our culture really isn't that different. I was reflecting on my own experience with the pressure to feel like I'm doing something right or have made an accomplishment or have earned a skill when it comes to engaging the spirit, to listening, to promoting restoration, and even just noticing the temptation within myself to perform ends up holding me back. I remember a time when I was doing college ministry on campus. I was in a meeting and talking about this with my supervisor, just feeling discouraged and defeated and unsure of the direction of my ministry and things weren't looking how I thought they would or how I thought they should based on the work that I was putting in, the amount that I was praying. And he just said, Kristen, if you didn't do anything at all, God would be delighted by your presence. And I think that that is the freedom. That's the invitation here is living into a reality of the kingdom is being free of the weight of the burden of all of the expectations that we have and that we receive from the world, the culture around us. Mm-hmm. I have trouble trusting any church that says they know certain things about God that other people don't. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, Kristen, that that is what the church has done with prayer. Even though Jesus gives us a really simple way to do it, we've turned it into this very complicated thing that gets wrapped up into salvation. It gets wrapped up into, you know, are you doing the right thing as a Christian? Because it's like a discipline. At least in my experience with the church, it's, it's always been this very transactional thing and not necessarily a thing that feels very free or it, it just feels very rigid, um, at least the way that I grew up kind of learning about it. And so even just looking back on this passage and seeing Jesus talk about prayer as this very simple thing, like here are these, like if you need help, here are some things to say that might help you, give you some words on how to speak to God. And it's very invitational. Like, we'll just do this. And like, it's all about provision. It's all about just like presence and being with people and being with God. Like focus on that. And yet we've turned it into this thing that's like, you know, you, you talked about on Sunday, all these pastors writing books about prayer when really it's just another white evangelical male pastor who's just spouting out, you know, his own little anecdotes about prayer when it's really not about what we're supposed to be doing. So I think it does get turned into something that it's not. And it'd be good for us to, to kind of refocus. I love this time of year at Bloom when we get to refocus on what it actually means and um, get to learn how to pray for each other. I just love that about this season. It's, it's if the experience of Christ is this well this spring that everyone gets to jump in and experience and drink from. Religious systems tend to try to control the approach to the stream and the experience of the stream, the drinking from the stream. And the container that the, the water is in. <laughs> yeah. Even. And as, as many have said, that the religious systems and institutions throughout the, our history have been about control. I think it could be also in our day about narcissism. So that gives me a more compassionate view of people because I don't Mm -hmm. think people, like this, the general masses of people, we're trying to make prayer difficult. That that we have it in us to want to perform 
or to stand in front of crowds or repeat, you know, all the things Jesus is saying. Rather, I think that prayer is within us in a deep level. I think that inclination to pray, just as with worship, already exists. To be held and seen, to acknowledge Christ, to acknowledge the one who gives us breath, and to move in a way that draws us into a greater unity, not only with Christ, but with the human family. I, I think that we want that. And I think that what I see Jesus doing is coming to the people saying, I want to free you from those systems of control and perhaps even those narcissistic leaders, those things that have been put in place to both keep you from the spring and to manage your experience of the spring, which is Christ and prayer. So yeah, I don't think it's within us to make it about performance and to make it complicated. I think that there are misguided motives behind those systems and those structures that would make it difficult. So I guess I just keep saying the same thing over and over again, but our commitment to prayer at Bloom is a commitment to help people express who they are to God, to be in that posture with Christ in a way that makes them feel more alive and draws them into the greater reality mm-hmm. that we're one, that we're all held. See, I think we're all, you know, in the evangelical world, we're kind of wrestling with, with throwing off that voice of authority from pastors and, and, that, and that sense of being managed by the system. It's a hard thing to get out of sometimes. I think I'm I'm more marveling at at how far it feels like we've gone from the original, like what what it means to pray or what it I don't know I mean I, maybe what I'm wrestling with is I don't really I don't know a whole lot about what it means to pray, like I still I feel like even after so many years of being a Christian that's like the one thing that I'm still trying to figure out and that most people when you ask them how to pray they're like I don't know it's just like. <laughs> It's just my time with with God, <laughs> and you just kind of know it, and it's it's more of like a um, a synergy with Christ, and that that part of it is not taught as much. I think Jesus talks about it, and Paul talks about it. Like I just want to get back there. I want to get back to the very simple, like invitational prayer that we get that we're invited into, that we get to be a part of. That's mm-hmm. where that freedom is, where the the Spirit of the Lord is that there's freedom there. Yeah, that's just so striking to me how in the invitation that Jesus gives us in this passage to pray, the one thing that he says not to do is to try to be like somebody else or try to hold mm-hmm. up this other expectation of what it should look like. And I think with something that does feel so abstract and when we take something out of a box that it's been crammed into, like, this is how you pray, is in this box of what prayer is. When we take that out, it, I just imagine it filling up a whole room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's freedom. I just feel like dancing and running around in that. But at the same time, as I'm imagining that, still kind of looking around like, oh, is somebody watching me? Mm-hmm. Am I really free to do this? And that sense to pull back and to filter myself, even just if I'm by myself and with the Spirit, is really hard to shake off. A lot of that does come from what we've learned in the church in some ways, of anything from being taught how to pray or what prayer should look like or even what you should feel like when you pray. Or I have been told at one point, like, you have to make sure that you're 
heart is pure before you can pray, Mm -hmm. before God will hear you. He knows all of your intentions, as if I'm somehow Mm -hmm. trying to maliciously manipulate God, if that Mm -hmm. were possible. But it causes God to feel so far away and inaccessible when the invitation, when the reality is filling up the whole room that we're in. The whole space around us is full of it. And all we have to do is enter in and dance around. And Mm -hmm. the freedom of that can feel overwhelming when... Especially there's pieces of our identity, pieces of our souls that God has given us that we've been taught to filter out, that we've been taught to hide away. And Jesus is saying to pull it all into the light Mm -hmm. and to accept that within the body of Christ, of one another, of everyone who comes into that reality. It's beautiful and intimidating all at the same time. I have a question for both of you as staff here at Bloom. This will be for myself too, but what do we do with those spaces for people who walk into spaces like that and it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't feel free. It feels weird or scary. How do we make those people feel welcome? I I feel like I I would probably be in that, that camp in, in, in the past for sure. Maybe even now, I don't know. (laughs) Depends on, (laughs) depends on the room I walk into, but I do. I wonder about those people that maybe would walk into a room like that and would not feel comfortable, would not feel free. Uh, what could we do? And what, what is the response of the church for people like that? I mean, I would just want to make space for healing and for someone to be able to be in a space authentically themselves, even if they're not ready to engage in what that space mm-hmm. is holding. Uh, so when I think about Bloom and I think about praying together and Living into the reality of the body of Christ, I don't think that every single person in our community engages in that in the same way. And we all come from different traditions, different backgrounds, and are healing from different things that we've experienced around prayer, and including some of the things that I've mentioned, like being taught that part of who you are is not okay to bring to the table is traumatic. Like they're not going to feel comfortable in a space that has previously been harmful. Mm. So it would just be a space that is open where there's various levels of engagement Mm. based on, you know, what you feel invited to, what you feel comfortable with, what you feel, what you find life in really is what it is. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the freedom of releasing those expectations is that levels of engagement don't say that you're not engaging, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, and who can know, who can measure the engagement of a heart Mm -hmm. or the work of the Spirit within a heart? It's unquantifiable. I love this room that you're describing because it's very much the room that my son Caleb uh, is in when he comes into the dances. Yeah, the dancing. (laughs) You know, it's there's the scripture that talks about prayer, the gathered work of prayer from us, from people, is like an incense that rises to the heart of the Father. And I love that because it's such a compelling description and, and I would say like a supernaturally accurate description of, of how the divine experiences humanity engaged in prayer together. I mean, there's nothing better as a father to see your kids play together, to be in unity it just, it, it literally 
is like incense rising to my heart. That when the human family, when the church is gathered, both in that awareness of, of where we stand, how we're held by Christ, how we're seen and known and provided for. And when we live in a way that, that keeps us in that reality, we start living like Paul says when he says, pray continuously at all times and all occasions. He's not saying do some task or act of prayer. He's saying be in that posture that Jesus is talking about when he gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. When that happens, it creates a beautiful space, not only to God, but to us. And I have to hope that if there are spaces on the earth in which prayer is the posture of the gathered people, that we would tend to take on the heart and the mind of Christ, which means that for anyone that walks in that room, they're seen, they're valued, they're heard, and that what they carry, we carry with them. To me, that would be an incredibly compelling room. If I wasn't a part of the story of the church or anything like that, and I've walked into a room that saw me and knew me, and I experienced this glimpse of the divine, of the eternal reality, that I am seen and known, and that there's nothing that I carry that I carry alone, to me that would be so invitational. And in a sense, it would become for us that stream that we've talked about. But I think that's what prayer does, not only to us as individuals in the secret, but when we gather as a people and we pray and we're aware of the the burdens and the, the hardships of others and the work of evil in our world. And we seek to, together, be a restorative agent in our world to draw people to unity in Christ with each other. To answer your question, Seth, and maybe I didn't answer it at all. I have a habit of doing that. I don't know. <laughs> but I have this sense that if, if that really was our reality, it might feel like home mm. when people walked in. And maybe that's incredibly wishful thinking, but... I see it when people come into contact with Jesus and and the story of the Gospels, and I see it throughout the history of the church that people find home. I've seen it in our house churches. I will say the Bloom is a very inviting place and always has been for me personally. So I I can't imagine creating any kind of space. I mean, that's a value of ours right now, um, Mm -hmm. that we're we're creating safe spaces. So we're going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. especially when it comes to prayer, when we know that so many people carry so much weight around just in using that word prayer. So mm-hmm. yeah, Bloom, Bloom is just a great place for, for people to explore, you know, and reclaim some of these, some of these spiritual practices that might, might have some baggage along with them now. So yeah. I love that about this place. Maybe it just helps to say over and over, prayer is a posture. Mm-hmm. It's, that's what Jesus was calling them into, really. And, um, you know, it may do us well as we go through the examine to keep saying to ourselves, prayer is a posture, it's a way of being. And I think most people, at least around Bloom, are very much driven to that posture. Mm-hmm. They want it. And I guess in this podcast, what we hope is that the community that's listening feels free and feels drawn into that space, both of awareness of the eternal, of Christ, and of the receiving of that reality into your life, to all of our lives. Whatever way that happens, whatever place that happens, that place is sacred, be it on a trail, in a car, cooking breakfast, that's sacred space, because that's when you intentionally take on that posture of awareness and reception. 
knowing that you're provided for, knowing that you're healed, knowing that you're seen, knowing that you exist now to bring restoration and unity to our world. So there is all the freedom in the world, all the freedom that could be given by Christ himself to experience prayer the way that you are uniquely created to experience prayer. Some have grabbed on to the ancient prayers of the church as we do here. Some have explored vast fields, just being free to be who they are with Christ. Some pray with others. There's so many things that we see throughout the history of the church that are both beautiful and compelling, driving us into that place of prayer. And it's all for us and none of it's required, but it's all given to us so that we can explore and experience prayer in a deeper, more meaningful way. We pray to God, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, creator, and renew the earth. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, counselor, and touch our lips that we may proclaim your word. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, power from on high. Make us channels of peace and ministers of healing. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, breath of God. Give life to the dry bones around us and make us a living people, holy and free. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, wisdom and truth. Strengthen us to be bold in faith. Holy Spirit, come upon us.